Uh, click on it on. Uh, oh, I'm already. I'm sorry, I had already. Clicked. We're live now. There is no all right. waiting. That's all good. It's background. It's 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 all like this. You're witnessing the behind the scenes. Welcome to the the episode. This is a uh, Beat People podcast mm -hmm. episode 68. The classic SP 1200 is the topic of the day. Um, last time we did the NPC, and we still have a part two to do, right? So I just kind of feel like we're gonna do these for all the classic joints. And um, and so, yeah, right now, Ken, uh, stop, stop goofing around with my production, buddy. I'll do what I want. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, yeah, this is an SP-1200 episode. Why are they so freaking appealing after all these years, so sought after? Um, and, uh, yeah, so we just want to kind of get into conversation i got a really dope panel right now of of folks who you know who i respect who would be good for the conversation we got kim what's up man i'm not good for any conversation yeah actually that's true i shouldn't have said that <laughs> then we got we got uh, <laughs> we got upright upright is uh actually becoming a regular again that's dope welcome welcome back man you muted how did, his, how did his sound just disappear Oh, my bad. What's up? There he goes. Yo. There you go. There you go. Uh, and then we got up, the Daydream Sound. Daydream Sound. Um, I know people, you know, recognize the Daydream Sound as, you know, one of the authorities on classic samplers and stuff uh, on, on the internet. And, it, you know, he's probably answered a lot of questions for a lot of people about a lot of old dope machines <laughs> because he probably has yeah, every sure. one of them at this point and uh then we got my man uh strange strains uh you all may know mario as a product specialist from electron you probably saw him uh rocking the model cycles and the model samples and uh you know we become uh homeboys from around around different synth events and different things so i knew that mario is probably a little younger than than all of us but he owns the sp1200 and he's a beat head he's a he's a gear head and uh he's making beats and lo-fi hip-hop and all kinds of stuff and he combines the sp1200 with a lot of the newer gear. and so i wanted to have him on and let's have this discussion man why y'all think uh the sp1200 is so like still one of those kind of revered machines after all these years we got a million not clones, but machines that are maybe inspired by them, and then softwares and plugins and emulations that are all kind of inspired by the SP twelve hundred. Why y'all think that is at this point? Want to start? Somewhere? Yo, anybody? Yeah. <laughs> I, well, for, personally, I would say, I mean, coming from my perspective, you put it, you know, perfectly. I would say, like, coming um, from from the box and trying to you know experiment with sounds and getting textures and finding the textures that you want um finally rooting that sound that i was looking for to a sampler that's an older sampler and that was hardware and specifically the sp1200 mm -hmm. um and it's you know it everybody knows it's that sound that when you start digging into the hip-hop collection start hearing the samples and and um I think it's that, recognizable. You recognize it right off, right? That particular yeah. distinct sound. Yeah, and then just also the the um, the uh, what do you mean? Yeah, like that that seeking out for that. Um, I went and finally using one of these, you get that instantly. Like you don't have to add a chain. You don't have to open up a chain mm. and find the, mm -hmm. 
the better algorithm or change it and, and add LFOs because this it's just I remember when I heard it, I was just blown away. Like in head, I was like, damn, this is this is crazy. Like all the all the search for getting this grittiness, it's just the box mm. does it itself. So that's for yeah. my personal thing. You know what? I want to jump in here and say something real quick because uh the other day, uh Corey, uh Ken and a bunch of us we were uh, talking in a, in a chat, and I think you shot out a link to a SP um, plugin, right? And I listened to some demos of that, and the first thing that hit me was like a, a mod ring, um, sort of a bit crush kind of sound. You know what I mean? And um, and that that's like a okay, yeah, yeah. So so that's real distinctive to that SP sound. You know what I mean? I don't know if if I can pull up. I'll, I'll try to get an example. Well, that's one of the um, that's something that about the sp and, and i kind of think that this also lends to why it's still so used today um is there's a lot of legend around the sp 1200 a lot of it's not true and then there's also a lot of good reasons why it's still around as well but like there's this whole um especially for aspiring beat makers that are kind of newer to it there's a lot of like jargon that throw that gets thrown around that's completely inaccurate and like way off base but it gets its own kind of uh mentality around it and you start hearing people say like oh yeah it's got this ring and and then you hear people say mod ring and then um which it's not like you know it, and it's and i'm not calling you out saying oh that's inaccurate i'm saying like this has become it, it's almost become its own vernacular you know what i mean like it's the the sp1200 has its own lingo around it now to where you almost like you're fighting a losing battle talking to people about okay well this is specifically this sound or this is specifically that sound because people have it so ingrained in their mind as to, as far as like oh this is what i'm hearing even though they're describing it with inaccurate terms you just have to kind of be like okay well it's actually this, but, you know, and keep it moving, you know? I think Daydream's done done quite a lot of uh, a lot of videos on, on the sound of the SP, uh, so, so I, I kind of like to hear his take on it. And, and you also do a lot of your live streams where you're chatting with people about it, so I'd like to kind of get your take on the, the, the common uh, folks who, who reply to you and talk to you about this stuff. I think yeah a lot of it is a lot of it is it's it's just a historical box and um mm -hmm. I'd say historically speaking the SP came at the right time like the perfect time I mean hip hop mm -hmm. all started off with records mm -hmm. then we went full drum machine here comes the mm -hmm. SP and then you had drum machines that had a little bit of sampling in it like the SP12 uh had that and then the SP is the first uh as far as I know that just was a straight sampler and a drum machine so now we can do things that we wanted to always do with records with a drum machine. You could have never done that. Like you had a DMX mm. and that was just a straight drum machine. So now you had drum machines that you drum sounds that you could take from records. So it was like at the right time, like right when the SP 1200 came out, that's when everything started changing. Mm -hmm. You know, mm. you listen, everything just switched up. You didn't even hear like <laughs> a Lindrum or anything like that anymore. Like that was all done. So mm. Even that's, a, that's then, interesting. I never thought about that, but that, yeah, that's like true. That's, that's, yeah, that's, that's a good point. You know, the, the SP yep. was, and it was cheap for the most part. Yeah. Like it was sub $3,000. It was really, really, I think 2,500, you know, mm, in yep. those times. So that's cheap compared to any other sampler. So it changed Absolutely. up everything. And, and I that's, think, and that's yeah. the other thing is that you have to remember that like back then it wasn't yeah. like you could, 
you couldn't get FL Studio. You couldn't get like there weren't cheaper options. Like EMU was the cheap option back in the day. Like that like and four grand was the cheap option. Three grand was the cheap option back in the day. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So it's it's held its it's held its like importance because of that throughout time. Like once you start using an SP, a lot of people didn't go looking anywhere else. You know, mm-hmm. I I heard I think it was I think it was Primo. He was saying like somebody had to actually tell him about the MPC sixty because he didn't even think about it. He was just on yeah, because it worked. This was what what, what yeah, it, was. it worked. And, know, and, and it and it was that sound. And so why change up? Yeah, and that still holds till today. I think like as far as the sound goes, uh, what Strange Strange is saying is right. Like the minute you put something in an SP and it comes back on you, it's super hard. Like it it's like it's noticeably like why is this thing so dense? Like anything <laughs> right, you right. put in there slaps like immediately. So it's pretty impressive. Hey, hey so. Just for a little bit of context, I can uh, share my screen. I'm here on uh, bboardtechreport.com, and this is this is um, the that SP uh, plugin, and it, it's it's you know supposed to be true to the sound, just so people can can get a like a feel yeah. for uh, what exactly I'll throw it up the sound there. we're talking about. Okay, yeah, so um, I can share my screen if you want, or there you go. Okay. And then um, let me see here. That thing sounds dope, man. It does. It sounds incredible. It sounds incredible. I have a video pulled up right here. Um, <clears throat> let's see. Share my screen. And then, um, cool. <clears throat> I don't know if the, oh, you have the video routed too. So yeah, yeah. You have the audio routed. So yeah, share it up. Um, Can you yeah, guys I'll, hear that? <clears throat> no. No. I no. can't hear it. Um, but the the dope thing about that plugin, at least what I thought was really dope about the plugin, is one. I mean, it's easy enough to just kind of grab it and get that sound, and it has a couple of parameters to kind of dial a sound in. Sound in, which I'll tell you the truth, the the idea of something like that that seems to be more of a common thing today was not common just five years ago. <laughs> you know yeah. what I'm saying? Yeah. Just. Yeah. 10 years ago, 12 years ago, whatever, you could keep going back and it just wasn't common and people were doing all kinds of stuff to try to get that sound or, you know, sacrificing a limb to go buy a real one. You know what I'm saying? Um, And it's a pretty elusive machine. And then when you look and see these prices, what what are the what are the prices? I mean, here's one and it's five thousand dollars and that sounds cheap to me. Like that's what's wild right now. Wow, that's crazy, man. And there's a reason for that. I think. Well, uh, there's a whole other conversation that we can get into about the pricing of these things. Uh, You know, I think we could all make the argument that that is just ridiculous. But then at the same time, because there's there's a a level of price gouging, and you know, people kind of living off the 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 you know the clout chasing of it the hype of it but the reality is it's an amazing box and i think some 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 of these places that are selling them like that might be taking advantage of folks but at the same time can you really say that because some of the world's best guitarists and famous guitars are like crazy like the amount of money people pay for guitars (laughs) the classic guitars so yeah (laughs) yeah you know what i mean so yeah, it's kind of it's kind of dope. Uh, I like what you said, though, Mario, about the fact that, and and you too, Daydream Sound, the fact that when you throw something in the real SP twelve hundred, 
there's no more wondering about why it's there's all this fanfare around it. <laughs> you know what I mean? No more. Like the drums that come off of SP twelve hundred are something special. For like sure. straight up, straight up. And I don't know. I personally feel like the emulations that I've seen in software side, and, and I'm gonna try this other one that we just talked about, but I feel like it it nails the aliasing and the, the crunch. A lot of times those things are nailed, but the punch is not easy to, mm. to nail. <laughs> you know what I mean? So I'd say I say um like so I have an Emacs that I love, and the thing about the Emacs that I love is one, obviously they're like less than a third of the the price of a SP twelve hundred. Um, the sampling engine is extremely similar. However, it's different in the way that it handles interpolation and drop sampling. Um, but you get the same filters and, you know, same filter chips, but they're completely dynamic, meaning you can actually control them as opposed to a capacitor discharging and controlling cutoff. Um, but even with that, like even when you go to some of these these other very related you know, samplers back in the day. The thing is, is that Dave Rossum, the genius that he was, was literally creating the chips himself, was literally uh, creating all of this himself. And because of that, everything has a very, very distinctive tone. Um, the, the, the Emacs, while it can get a beautiful crunch, and I actually love it because you can do variable sample rate on it, so you can actually go lower than the SP12 and SP1200, and you can do some some really interesting things with it. The difference is, is that the SP1200 was, because it was a drum sampler, he looked at it as, it, okay, it doesn't need to be as crisp. It doesn't need to be as, as hi-fi for the time. So he allowed for things like it would just drop sample, you know, and it would get more grungy. And you don't really reproduce that sound in any other way. So when you have something that dirty, um, you know, yeah, you can put it through the filters and it's cool because the filters will grab onto that dirt and grab onto that aliasing and, and that grit. Um, and you can do some cool stuff with that. Really, that's not what the SP was truly about because it's not like you were boosting resonance and sweeping in and hanging on to the harmonics of that aliasing. You know what I mean? Like if, if you're in a synth or if you're in a modern sampler that can um, change variable sample rates and do that sort of thing, you have the ability to boost resonance on filters and then hone in on specific harmonics and with a uh, a low sample rate like that you're getting um inharmonic aliasing going on right so you're getting inaccurate uh harmonics that are popping out which give it that sound and then you can latch onto it with the resonance of a filter and boost that up even more and do some interesting things but on the 1200 to me it was more about just letting it do what it does, like keeping the filters kind of more open and just letting like like involving yourself in the grit and using the grit to work for you. You know what I mean? Mm, yeah, that makes sense. You know what? Uh, CC Funk one said the first time I saw SP1200, a friend got one. I went to his house to see it. The sound was great. But as soon as I touched the buttons, I hated mm -hmm. it. And that's one of yeah. the things I've always seen with the SP is like click, 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 you know, and. In the in this day of like you know soft pads, I, I've never touched the SP. Um, but for those that have, can you speak speak to that? Like, um, what's what's that like? Oh, so you, I can tell you, I had a homeboy that had a SP twelve, 
Um, and I pull this up and that comment for the reason that I totally agree. Back in the day, when when my guy had the SP12, I mean, by that time, MPCs were very well known and very widely used. And I couldn't stand those hard clicky buttons on the SP1200, bro. I, I, I admitted that I love the sound, but those clicky buttons, I was like, I can't even, I can't even deal with that. So it, it never yeah. appealed for me. But over the years, you just know that sound is so like mm. over time I became like, I could actually probably deal with those buttons because that sound is so hard to grab anywhere else. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Uh, so, yeah, I don't know if anybody else felt that way, but I definitely felt that way. Yeah, I, mean, I think yeah. you get used to it. It's like, to me, I didn't really think about it. Um, the thing I would relate it most to is like, if you ever use like an Electron product, like one of the older ones, that's what mm -hmm. it feels like. Mm -hmm. it's, not, it's not foreign, but I think like, that's what drum machines were like. The first drum machine I think had pads on it was the Lin 9000. Yeah. Before mm -hmm. that, you know the the dmx the lindrum they're all these hard type of things. clicky so, buttons right? yeah that's that's where the sp kind of that's it's that's it's you know that's where it comes from but mm -hmm. i think the more you use it you don't even notice it anymore yeah and, and, and really you can see the evolution because like you see ensonic who was bought by emu you know eventually like you know ensonic kind of went that middle road where it's like they had the yeah. asrx had those pads but dude they felt like but they were so yeah, hard, not, you know what yeah, I mean? Not, yeah, yeah. Um, but Mario, yeah. you know, you know. Also, the the thing too is that I felt like when the Digitac came out, it was almost like a a kind of a a, a salute to the yeah. SP twelve hundred because of the mm. way the buttons were, and and quite frankly, I mean, it kind of forces you to work in a certain workflow that's reminiscent of old machines. Mm -hmm. Definitely, yeah, I totally agree, and um that's kind of how like I had access to it, this SP 1200 before the Digitech was out and my appeal to it wasn't there yet. So when I finally, you know, fast forward, Digitech's out, start using that and then being like, wait, you know, eight tracks, there's, there's eight tracks here too. Okay, cool. And then these buttons and that's kind of like um, the button I was at first coming from a starting beat, start, started making beats. I wanted the, those MPC pads, like just needed those. Um, but over time working on the Digitac, I got this, you know, Digitac, this tactile feeling and the action on it actually really helps like coming back. The pads are good, definitely for getting the velocity and stuff, but they're, um, like they Sam was saying, you get used to it and you know, it, it kind of, um, it is a totally different, uh, feeling than the pads for sure. Uh, but I find it kind of appealing as well to the sound of it. Um, and then with the Digitac coming from there, like I said, I just kind of got used to that these type of buttons it is um, mm -hmm. way different you know the it's a lot more responsive on the digitech on than the sp but um you get that same idea and and it kind of feels too like uh like you know you are playing this instrument it's you have to deal with you know on a guitar if you have a different type of string on a, a cello whatever. yeah that's a good point uh so it is you know when you i started thinking about like that and each device like i'm glad you brought up the the old electron how it was like that and it reminded you too and um yeah. coming you know kind of being biased and a little spoiled having access to all the electron devices i found it really liking that type of feel i do still go back to the pads but it's just like these buttons like, yeah when i'm on electron i i use the buttons but it, like not not <laughs> not to be rude but it's because 
the the electron pads are just not good for finger drumming so it's like well if that's the case well then i might as well just punch it in with with the with the buttons but at the same time it does it changes your your mindset as far as how you're doing things because it becomes less about um you know playing something in velocity wise it becomes more about like okay this is when i want to trigger and i want to trigger in this specific way at this yeah. specific time and it becomes more about that and with yep. the with the sp it's really cool because you have the faders there and you can kind of ride ride your faders and like changing your pitch that way is really you know and your and your velocity too um yeah. it, it's, it's it's such a different workflow you know it's mm -hmm. unlike anything else really like I, I i can't think of anything else that has you know those types of controls laid out in, in a fader way like that yeah and also too i mean i think of it when you know in my head i wanted to just finger drum everything but in reality i don't do live drumming on sequencing i'm like you know get the sample get that loop for a little bit all right then put the hi-hat so you know you those pads are nice i really like it but i find myself even just working like with what the device has to offer and um but with this coming with that back on the buttons somebody said the contacts get messed up easily and that's kind of my issue with this right now i need to get it serviced so i've been mm. using the digitact midi track out and mm. it feels exactly the same because it's the same kind of streamlined workflow and just mm. working over here mm -hmm. and using encoders here so right. It's, right. that's kind of cool if you if you do it and you see you could do send out the midi track one and that makes sense what's going what's going on with the audio yeah. <laughs> it all of a sudden audio, like audio faded a little bit oh, yeah. I, I probably went back from the mic sorry oh okay. yeah. <laughs> you know that, hey. that's something that anthony b is saying he was like I always midied up my sp1200 to an mpc2000 excel mm -hmm. and then uh mv8800 because i'd rather break those than the sp1200 so he's literally using a different interface but still getting the 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 grunge and the grit the sound yeah luckily out. luckily the actual buttons aren't that it, like that's not a, a difficult service to have done yeah. um luckily um because it's literally tax switches um so yeah. it's you know it's it's kind of an on off kind of kind of deal which is cool but um yeah like the, just the interface in general on the sp is like such a if you look at where the evolution was clearly things evolved from the lin side of things way more than the, the SP side of things like clearly it was like the industry was like okay velocity sensitive pads uh 16 pad uh layout that became the standard and then yeah. it moved on from there but there is it, it's all about that workflow change it's like whether you're on a, a modular and I was talking to somebody the other day who was asking me about going doing sampling in modular and I said well it really depends on on what you want from that you know and the person was like oh well i have an mpc 1000 and i really want to do that in a modular and i was like mm -hmm. well that's exactly why you shouldn't do sampling in a modular i was like you should do sampling in a modular for what the mpc can't do right you know what i mean like you want to do yeah. everything that you're not doing in a typical thing and yeah. that's how i feel about the sp ui is it's like you want to you want to program beats on an sp the way that you program beats on an sp if you listen to like those old evil d tracks like that's like one of my favorite sp users is evil d and i feel like he doesn't actually yeah shot. you can't front you can't front all yeah, yeah evil d is a monster on that SP. you listen to a lot of that stuff and you can hear things that are just like you just don't do those on npc like i I primarily like the bulk of me comes from like an NPC style background, but 
where I started started was like we used to sample on like you know we we, we would grab samples from a Gemini uh, little five second sampler on a DJ mixer and then record that and then bring it to the lab where the SP was and then drop it to that and then program the actual beat on that and the thing about that is is like you sequence everything out and the way you layer sounds is so different from an MPC and so different from everything else it's just like and you just need to embrace that workflow and go with it, you know? Yeah, definitely. I'm, I'm going to go back to this guy, Kahari Maze. He asked a question about how we run the SP into, uh, you know, for tracking. Um, I typically do it, yeah, into an interface, my interface that I have, or into my Digitact or something to process that sound and sequence it in here to use the sequencer tricks on the Digitact. So um, usually just going direct, direct in, don't really do any processing of the actual sound unless i'm going into ableton and i want to get other textures or stuff like that mm, um, yep. how about how about right. daydream i want to i'm curious to how you do you do that <laughs> i when i use it i go direct um a lot of the times i don't even use the individual else i'm pretty lazy with it i'll just take the mix yeah. out um you, you no matter what amen for being lazy with it there's yeah. like yeah, say it louder for the people in the back there's nothing wrong with two tracking come on yeah, exactly. it's pretty You'll get something good out of it anyway, but I rarely these days use the SP for any sampling anymore. Um, for what I well, do, you got a lot of options it, too, though. So yeah, it, yeah, it's really really noticeable and it's pretty it's pretty present. But what I do think is great about what I do do is I use the all the outputs on the back, um, the CV outputs, the SEMTI outputs, play really well with modular. And mm. you you won't find that mix on very many drum machines. Like you, the it has empty out, yeah. so you can you can use the SP, or you can use modular to clock the tempo of the SP, and through that you can use the SP as a interface for the rest of your rig. So I can have an LFO on a modular device changing the tempo of the SP and everything else in my studio because of that. That's crazy. And that's crazy. That's kind you of did a I video. You did a video on that too. I'm yeah. pretty positive because I, I remember watching that and I was like, I was so happy that you were doing this stuff because like nobody else was doing that. And I'm like, mm -hmm. man, this was actually a fresh take on how to use the SP. So I was, mm -hmm. dude, I, I'm a fan. Like I was so happy that you did that. I was just like, that's that's <laughs> the kind of so. that's the producers, yeah, you know, yeah. producer yeah. producer <laughs> right there doing that. <laughs> It's, it's really sure, a Swiss sure. Army knife, man. Like the sound of it, like it's you know the sound, but um, like the amount of other things it can do, and it's really, really easy and quick to use. I think that's some of the you know, it's underrated. Like when you use it, you'll be surprised how quick you just fly across it. And mm -hmm. like if you sit down with it for an hour, by the end of that hour, you'll be moving quicker than you thought you would have. Like mm -hmm. everything kind of makes sense. You don't have to yeah. think like, okay, how do I do this? Everything that's it yeah freedom. it's it's it's, it's really, like a very really finite space it's a very yeah. finite space and it doesn't it doesn't like have you like feeling like you're wandering in all these nooks and crannies no. you know of, of other gear where it's it's just like hey this is what it is and just work with that you know yeah. and and yeah. when you do that you start discovering yourself a little bit you start discovering oh well like you know it's not just you know and, and i feel like that about a lot of gear too you know it's where it's like if you limit yourself in a very specific way, you find out that, you know, okay, this is how I'm going to express myself. And mm -hmm. you'll still sound like you, 
but you'll sound like you who's like solving problems and whatnot, especially yeah. if you're exposed to modern workflow and you're like, okay, well, I know that this is possible, but now I'm on this, you know, this time traveling <laughs> situation well, you know, back it's, it's in the almost day. Like, it's almost like, you you know, most people who have that, that, are, that know themselves and they're comfortable with themselves as a producer, right? It's like seeing the world through regular glasses versus seeing the world through shades. Like the gear that you use, you should still be able to sound like yourself, yeah, yeah, yeah. but yeah. maybe you're gonna yeah. sound like yourself through an SP-1200. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it's just a different shade that you, you're putting on, like, so to speak. Yo, um, I, got, I got a major question for uh, both of you guys that have uh, SPs. What, what's the resolution, the, the PPQN? Um, oh, so like, I don't know. I, I think they do. Sorry, my mic was muted. If I recall, oh my God, I just had a conversation about this the other day. And if I screw this up, people are going to freak out on me. I had a conversation about, I want to say it was actually yes, like they something are, crazy. So get it like, right. Get it right, baby. It's like, tw it's 24 if, if I'm yeah. correct. Hold on. I, I really need to dive back into my emails, but well, I'm pretty positive it was 24. Oh, it's 24? It's okay. 24. Yeah. The I mean, reason why it's of, twisted yeah. in my head is because everything that I've been doing lately is actually double because so like I'm working on the S2400 project um, and the S2400 has two modes. So it has the original mode, which is like, you know, kind of doing everything that an SP1200 does. And then it has a hi-fi mode, which is essentially doubled of everything. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? So it's like, you know, you're going to basically double. Actually, it's more than double. But anyway, but it's going in quantifiable numbers in that way um so yeah the the ppq like that's one of the things that we were talking about is because we had and i'm i don't want to have brad or anybody get upset with me <laughs> but we were having a, a strong conversation about swing and about how the sp handles swing how the sp handles quantization how the sp handles jitter like all these factors kind of all come together and they they create the sequence that it is, you know? Mm. So there's, there's all these weird little factors in there. So obviously if you, for one, the SP does not swing the way a lot of people think that it swings. And if you mm -hmm. research it on the internet, most of the internet's information is completely wrong. I'm not going to expose all this stuff on here because I feel like that would really be my place right now. <laughs> no, no, no. I'm not, I'm not going to expose exactly how it does swing because like, you know, that's that's what they've been doing is actually studying, okay, well, what notes actually swing and where do they swing and by how much and all that mm -hmm. kind of thing. Because they, they want to recreate that extremely accurately. But um, I'll, I will say this. Every bit of information that we've seen on the internet is incorrect. Um, and we, there was uh, – there was some extensive study work done on that. And however, I'll also say this. The jitter of the clock is yeah. – a really interesting aspect of it because not only do you have swing but then you have like this strange jitter and jitter is subtle like don't think that jitter is some massive thing mm -hmm. like jitter is jitter is more subtle than wow and flutter is on a turntable or a tape deck you know mm -hmm. put it that way mm -hmm. you know it's a very subtle thing but it makes all the difference in the world when you're dealing with timing like keep in mind like we've been dealing with camera latency and that sort of thing when we're dealing with streams and whatnot, just sit there and tap on a desk doing 16th notes and then notice like, you know, even with your iPhone camera, how any kind of like wavering of timing difference you can notice because musical minds, it's all about like precision math, you yes. know? 
Yo, C Funk said uh, 24 PPQ. Wow. And and I yeah, I that's that sloppy. Statement. It's like yeah, that, it, well, that's a really low. You know, yeah, it's, it, that's really tight. It's like you can't really you can't get too expressive with that. You know what I mean? No. Well, you no, 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 that's yeah. Well, that's just it though. Is 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 you can get expressive with it, but. It's going to be a little it's bit of expressive back to you. <laughs> <laughs> you, you can it's going to say, it's gonna say no. Yeah, no, no. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> so, and, and for the layman in the chat, like, let's just kind of break down what that means. So, so that's pulses per Part, quarter note, right? Per or quarter parts per yeah. quarter note. Yeah. Right. So, yeah. basically, what that means is that you're going to be slicing up each, you know, each time slot in between each quarter note right Right. and that's that's where the data can fall now the data can fall so like let's say like that's a uh, 24 is like this that's a chunk like that an npc the lowest npc was 96 so that's like tiny like this and and the 4000 was 960 yeah exactly you know 60 parts per quarter note so that's like that's a crazy resolution you can pretty much do whatever you want you know Mm -hmm. it's like free time well, if you can't, then you probably should find something else. And then if you look at an analog sequencer, if you look at analog sequencers, they're one. <laughs> it's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, it's, yeah, you know, because yeah. it's one step. So, right. yeah. Yeah. And that, that that's where a lot of people get into the whole, like, I want to swing off grid, this and that. Right. So not only can you program, you can still program kind of off grid, but then it also has the machine has a slop to it as well. So, so that's my question for these guys. Like, do you find that 24 PPQ restrictive? And, um, you know, how do you approach that? I'll I'll answer like for me, it, um, it, you just kind of work with it. What it gives you back, you tend to like it, you Mm. know, even though, you know, right away, it's like, that's not what I played. It kind of puts it in this kind of stiff kind of swing. You're like, okay, fine. You know? So <laughs> it, it kind of works. I dig it. Well, I get time. that. Yeah. Sometimes you'll be like, "No, I would really like to play this," and that's when you get into the idea of speeding up the time to uh, get what you yeah. want. You know. Mm-hmm. So, but yeah, a lot of the times it it you kind of like what it does. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, okay. Yep, that makes sense. <laughs> so yeah. I think. So me, hold yeah, on. I, you go for it. Yeah, I was just gonna say that it's just like something that I've learned to just go with and. It's, you know, I, the fact that you have, it, it only has a little bit sample time too. You got to deal with that. The fact that it has these clicking buttons, you know, it's, it's, mm-hmm. it's kind of one of those things where, um, you know, when you do get on it, get in it on paper compared to all the other stuff, it's like, yeah, that sucks. But when you're actually using it, you remember, okay. And you know, like you said, it, you tend to like it and mm-hmm. you know, you are going to have time where you want it to do something else. Um, but then it's kind of just cut. Yeah. Just let it, let it go and let, uh, see what comes out. Gotcha. Yeah, we're yeah. So I wanted to. I looked up. There's this link. Uh, Fact Magazine did uh, a story a while ago. I think this has been a while. Fifteen samplers that shaped modern music and the musicians who use them. Um, and wow. then as I scrolled through this, I saw this SP12, the blue joint, <clears throat> and it reminded me of a of a story that I feel like is apropos for this show. And I think I've told it on beat people before, but yo. I've said before, my guy had an SP-12. I don't remember how he got it. We was broke. I don't know how he got an SP-12. And that was during a time when, like, they were not, this wasn't a common device to have. It wasn't, I don't know how the hell he got an SP-12. He came across it somehow. He probably bought it on 
I don't know, some back then were probably a reader in Chicago. Anyway, <clears throat> he had this SB12 and we tried to use it and we couldn't save it because it had some connector on the back and he was using, he was kind of getting used to using it. And uh, he also had an MPC. Here's the deal, because it was broken and it wasn't very common to know, I think we had researched and found out we could send it someplace to get repaired. But like I said, we were broke. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So he just kind of pushed the joint aside and we knew it was a, a dope joint, but he, he, it wasn't usable in its state. So he pushed it aside and we just kept using the MPC. Years later, after I really got the bug and started making my own beats and got really deeper to the, I hit him up. I was like, yo, whatever happened to that SP12 you had? He was like, bro. Uh, so it was in my car, a car that I didn't use no more. And, um, the, the, he was like, that car got towed and it was Man. so old. He said the cops came to his door and was like, uh, sir, we, we told your car, I guess it got stolen or towed or something. I don't know. And he's like, we, we found your car and it's in the, the pound. And, you know, you, you may have some stuff in there that you might want to come and get if you don't want to come get your car. He's like, nah, I don't care about that car. Keep it. I don't care. I'm not paying to get that car. And yeah. he said he remembered like a year later, like, oh no, my SP12 was in the car. <laughs> Man, hey, that that was probably worth more than the whole car. The whole car. Exactly. I just, I just want to say, I don't, I don't like scary stories like that. <laughs> like, that I know I'm gonna have a nightmare. <laughs> like that's horrible. That, that is, is a horrible, horrible story. <laughs> but it's true. It's true. <laughs> yeah. Well, imagine that car got smashed and yeah, that SP twelve was in the back of it, right? Yeah. But hey, so I wanna like, Yeah, go for it. Go ahead. Just crazy, that, that, that's just one of those things where you you hear about um people people having just classic gear and just forgetting about it or whatever mm -hmm. and then and then and also like the prices for those things did they were dipped for a long time and then yeah. it just it, it it was a steady climb back up and then all of a sudden it just spiked and went into the atmosphere uh you know somebody had mentioned in the chat earlier about the the rossum um what was it the um the 1200 reissue mm -hmm. and and how that was seventy five hundred dollars and people Man, are paying that's it, crazy you know? that's people crazy are paying it yeah i th i think that there's a reason why it was done but yeah people are paying it it's crazy yeah. hey i got i got a i got a question so for daydream sound and uh mario as well um so as far as the the sp when it comes to your workflow is that the final destination for your full track or are you producing in the sp how how are is your workflow with the sp because i can imagine myself like i use a sp 404 and i'm not really so much producing in the sp but i'm i'll run everything through the sp as a final destination to get that sound so yeah talk uh, about that a little bit yeah. yeah for myself i i i've yet to like fully do a full beat um sequenced out on the sp 1200 i've done mm. a few things where like i'll sequence just a loop but then i'll move for the drums go to digitect or just run the sample in here and do the different pitch levels throw that in digitect or octatrack and you know ma mangle it there um so yeah it's mainly it's for right now but i've been using it heavily more just for like a, an effects unit i would say Dope. just to get the actual sp sound yep, yep. um yeah. but that's mm -hmm. my next step the main reason is because of the buttons that like only like three of them they all work but only a few of them are really really responsive so um mm. I tend, yeah my workflow is a lot faster here but 
um yeah i could totally see myself working on this when it when it you know up up everything working good because all of the workflow stuff that you need to know is on the panel like not everything but kind of navigating is like very straightforward so i i could see myself doing that and having a lot of fun no mm, okay yeah man i um it, it just fits it's more of a tool for me and i think that's i got it with that in mind it's mm -hmm. really really aggressive for my taste so what i'll do is just a snare just a hi-hat you know mm -hmm. just a pitch down thing because mm. it has a tendency to be so it's so prominent in whatever you put it in and it's noticeable mm. Wow. So half the time I'm trying to tame it down rather than to play it up. Mm. So that's mm -hmm. kind of like, and it all depends on your musical style. Like if you make hard music, well, you're you're good to go. Yeah. But very rarely why, will I use which it. Which is why in yeah. boom bap hip hop of that classic time in New York, it kind of was the thing. Yeah. yeah because yeah, yeah, yeah. New York hip hop literally sounds like the damn concrete that they walk on. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's that's exactly. East Coast hip hop. It literally yep. sounds like the way the city looks. Yeah, <laughs> it's, know, it's crazy. Hard. Rough, rugged, and raw. Yeah. yeah. So as a as a driver, more I'm using it for CV. But every now and then, like I I want. It's so fun to use. That's that's the thing about mm -hmm. it. And I have this thing with samplers where that if it's too good, I almost leave it alone more than use it. Like this and the that's Mirage, right. I kind of don't want to touch them a lot. Because they're, they're <laughs> no that good, you know. Mm. So yep. it's that type of thing. Mm -hmm. Yes, that dope. makes That's sense. Dope. Yeah. Um, and and here's oh, I think we were going for the same thing. Is there anybody using the SP twelve hundred yeah. for music other than Boom Bap? And that's I a think good that's a that's another thing that that comes up often enough when we talk about classic samplers. A lot of times we're talking about these classic samplers from a hip hop lens. Mm, and the yeah. fact that a matter is a lot of these things were used to make a lot of house music. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. And, For and <laughs> yeah, you know what I mean? And and even R&B and other stuff. I mean, yeah. Um, yeah, honestly, I because I was surprised when I would see uh, uh, R and B and and house dudes, and they would have an MPC or they would have a SP twelve hundred. So yeah, this is very prevalent in those music styles. Yeah, as a matter of fact, as a matter of fact, um, Brad from Isla Instruments, who's making the S twenty four hundred, is uh, he he's a house DJ. He's all into house music. Like that's his perspective, and and he loves it just as much as any hip hop head. Yep, definitely. Mm. I've I've seen a, a few people. I mean, not a few. I've seen a, a lot of people using, um, not just SB twelve hundred, but you know every specific like hip hop sampler that you see. Mm -hmm. MPC, SP, uh, even four hundred four. I've seen that in like yeah. house music, techno, doing all this stuff, and it all roots back for me on the SP and the MPC. It's just that sound, like Daydream Sound was saying, just like that punch, the, mm -hmm. that dance music. You need something hard hitting and this dose up you throw your kick in here and there you go yep yep that's what's up and and you know so i want to also jump back to so we've talked a lot about why it's classic and how it's is out there i mean the aftermarket prices and stuff and we even talked about the software uh the i think it's called a s950 which by the way that software is interesting because it takes the the sort of uh aliasing sort of sound mm -hmm. and the lo-fi sort of sound and marries it with the 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 
the sweetness of the filter of the S950, which a lot of people were using stuff like that, the SP1200 and S950 as a combination. That software actually takes those two characteristics from those two things and combines it in a software. It gives you dials that you can map to uh, things like this, wow. uh, uh, things like that to be able to control it and automate. So that's that's actually a super cool thing. But on the flip side, there just seems to all of a sudden be a lot of interest. And I think uh, my man at Brad at Isla Instruments has mm -hmm. done the SP1200 a service by creating the S2400. And he's gotten the blessings of of uh, had conversations with uh, Dave Rossum and stuff yep. and, mm -hmm. you know, it's just, it's dope to see hardware SP1200s, a modern version. Mm -hmm. Mind you, this is going to be different than that, but it's dope to see something that's inspired by that coming to market <clears throat> and getting the job done. Because when it finally releases, it's going to have all the OG features on deck. Mm -hmm. Then it'll probably you know what I mean? Yeah, like, and it will yeah. probably have other stuff and, and all the IO alone throws it into the future <laughs> you know yeah, what i mean for sure, yeah. for sure yep yeah that's yeah. one of the super things dope. that i was i was super excited about was just when using it at first it was just like oh it's just gonna be like seeing the 24s in my head i was like oh they're just trying to emulate the sound cool mm -hmm. but i saw the dope thing is that he's like you know brad he's, oh, he's super open with everything yeah. that he's doing about it which is really so, dope so it's cool seeing that and then you know working on the sp being like damn this would be actually really dope if there was a different interface and if they really nail that sound and the workflow in a mm -hmm. kind of updated thing then you know that kind of i don't need to have this split midi controller with the sp like that would be pretty interesting to use but yeah i'm still very curious on on that um comparison i know there's going to be millions of comparison videos yeah, yeah. Out, but oh yeah yeah as soon yeah. as that drops there's gonna be you are damn right there's gonna be a million <laughs> comparison videos yeah. Looking forward so to let that. me ask you let me ask y'all though what y'all think about that kind of that kind of thing where like for instance he says anybody looking to buy sp1200 uh is it better to get uh the s2400 instead due to modern improvements mm. and i think that's gonna be a real sort of talk like think yeah. about when when the model d Yep. when Mo created the new model d and then there was still a lot of naysayers out there like uh-uh so i want the yeah. regular old ass model d <laughs> like even yeah. that was Mo I think making layers it. to the question though like Definitely. so for, for well there's so many layers to the question it. because because one of the one of the main things that you could say like straight out from the gate is guess what even if you want an sp1200 eventually you will not be able to buy an sp1200 they mm -hmm. will not last forever period exactly. for like, sure for and sure. they're old they're i mean you know you're talking about a 1980s device you know mm. so older than me even with with excellent technicians out there repairing these things they won't last forever you know yeah. so there's that the other thing is is that you know and i say this completely biased as somebody who's involved in the project and all um if you're trying to buy something to replace something else that's not that, that's never gonna work. Like, don't yeah. ever buy like don't don't buy like the the Poly D saying, oh well, it has to. I I I've just It'll been be just having like it in my model. heart for forever to have a Model D, and mm -hmm. now there's the Poly D, so I'm just gonna get that. And it's like, no, you're still gonna want a, a Mini Moog Model D. Mm -hmm. like, even I know if you it have will. that. Like you will. Uh, for me, it's that's not the case. Man, I I, yeah. I kind of disagree with you that. You might man. you might be yeah. able to get. Hey, you might be able to get. I kind of I kind of disagree with that. 
you might be able to get 99% of the sound, but guess what? It's still not that. You know what I mean? And and a lot of yeah. people, it's not it's not just about buying the circuit or just about buying this or just about buying that. If you're dead set on having exactly that, then you're dead set on having exactly that. Like th- yeah. there's just no no you know no difference there. I, yeah. However, if you're trying to get like a very similar sound, you know, a similar workflow and interest, then that's something, you know, that's something else. And that yeah. will, will get you there. Like, mm. at least that's the plan. So, yeah. No, I, I, I de- oh, go, no, no, yeah. go ahead. Go ahead. Sorry. I see another yeah. part of it as well, too. I mean, um, live performers that do live music, you know, say they do want to take an SB1200 sound with them. You're not going to want to take that on tour with you. SB1200, that's another thing. Mm-hmm. So, that's kind of in my head. Uh, same thing <laughs> with the Model D, like that whole thing. I'm, you could buy it, the the poly d and take that on tour with you and be good and have your model d at home for the studio so mm-hmm. i think that's kind of like you said there is layers that's to the a, question that's a good and, observation a good use case for it too yeah definitely mm-hmm. for myself it's like you know i if i find out that i really need this in a live setting well you know if the, tw- the 2400 has that same workflow and same feel then perfect i'm gonna take this on because it's gonna be it's gonna last longer i know it could get service i know it has updates and stuff like that and more like uh, different implementations and uh expanded improvements so that's personally on on my note that would be a pretty cool reason to have one as well mm-hmm. with a regular 1200 but you know not everybody has the luxury of having a sp 1200 <laughs> so i could s- see the t- being torn between the two yeah, and that uh, argument works. Uh, that argument works in a lot of ways too. I mean, I'm sitting here with a a, a, um, a Rhodes piano behind me. A lot of players have Rhodes pianos, and they may be the keyboardists in a band and be live musicians, but they're not carrying their Rhodes out. No, they yeah, may true, go true. and rock it, and then that's why they would have like a Korg SB1 or something similar with right. or some role in a Yamaha joint that has an incredible EP in it. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. But they're rarely going to be taking their actual actual roads out, and yeah. so that's a real use case. Mm-hmm. Yo, two things, uh, Ken. Did, did uh, OJ's uh, asking a question here? Did Brad mention uh, anything about the PPQ on the, yeah. the twenty four hundred? Yeah, the twenty four hundred PPQ is going to be seven thousand nine hundred and thirty three. No, I'm you lie. Okay, uh, I was about to say. Like, what do you mean? No, it's so, what I mentioned before. So it's it's twenty four, and then you can go in multiples above that. Um, you know, so as of right now, you can you can double that. So you know, because a, a, a common usage of the twelve hundred was to double time it. You know, right, right, and you know, with this. With the S2400, I just want to put this at the can, screen right now. Oh my goodness. Having to double time it, so you get that 48. What's going on, Brad? <laughs> oh, Brad's commenting. Yeah, Brad's in the chat now. So, yeah, yeah. So, there you go. So, he said, he as said, I you're, said you're a sexy MF. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to say about that. So, directly from Brad, 48 from Brad. PPQ. 48 yeah, yeah, PPQ. Exactly. Okay. So, yeah. so, it's doubled up. So, yeah. um, and okay. yeah. The the thing to me about like if someone's in the market for a twelve hundred and they're looking at a newer product that's going to to you know scratch that itch, I don't think there's anything closer, uh, not at the moment. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So you know, there's nothing to me. Again, it gets back to a lot of the whole workflow and UI of it. It's like where else are you going to get faders like that? Now, yeah, you can map out MIDI controllers and do all kinds of crazy stuff like that. But let's be honest with you, like. 
dude, that's not fun. <laughs> like, yeah, um, I, I gotta give, I gotta give props to this thing, man. I mean, it, it's sexy. Yes, it is. It is. It is. For sure. it and, is. and you know, um, be, and There's and I'll be honest too. The, Let me see if I can find one. I'll be honest too. The first time I saw it, like I think it's it's initially it's a thing. Like, hey, what's going on here? You <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? But, like when I look at him, like as he's put it together, and you see the actual prototypes come together. This is a really good looking machine and I and yo, it, it it looks like the spiritual su- successor to it does. sp12 it, it, it looks, looks like, like the modernization the next version of it. Yep. yeah yeah um and and uh, uh another thing is too that i'll say it again i've said it on other shows but on here i'll say it this thing is built like a tank um that kind of terminology built like a tank for music years thrown around kind of willy-nilly mm-hmm. but it's not i'm not mincing words here this right, joint right. is built yeah. like it, it it actually you feel the weight on it nice That's it's it. not it's not paper weighted kind of okay. thing you feel now the weight on it those sides are thick yeah. um i don't know it's like a half inch thick and obviously brad would know the exacts on it but and i mean it, it just has weight i saw him at knobcon and he was walking through there just he what he didn't have a booth he was walking through there and he had early like hand-built prototype of it handmade or whatever prototype of it and i dragged them over to Afrorack's booth like put that down let's talk <laughs> no so so ken and, uh, and maybe brad can chime in is this true to the original as far as the circuitry like all that like the internals as far as like the sound so yeah the um the actual like so the analog side of everything is pretty much a one-to-one recreation um it's like all the analog filters are the same um so the so like there's a bunch of fixed filters in the sp1200 and then there's the quote dynamic filter and the dynamic filter is um the s now it's a ssi chip it used to be ssm same company same stuff you know so anyway it's this ssi chip and then it's basically a capacitor discharges it so when you say dynamic it's um it's closing the the cutoff um that's all done the same except on this it's stereo so there's two of everything right mm-hmm. so it's doubled up um that's all the same in addition to that you also have like digital filters and all that good stuff um Okay. Yeah, so so it, it it's 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 identical plus more you know with enhancements yeah okay got you yep yeah that's interesting too that's and he said and, and brad is in here right now and he's saying differences that the analog side can be switched in and out in software rather than half plugging the jack and what he's referring to that is you know how yeah, that's on, a the, good thing um, to mention. on the sp1200 you could kind of pull the jack out halfway and get that ring sound you don't have to do that with the with the S2400, you can actually tell it to do that. You can also tell it to bypass things, which mm. is cool. Like it has dope. it has internal logic chips that will handle that stuff. Nice. Mm, dope, dope. Uh, uh, here, yeah. Brad just sent and me- the, uh, the weight, just so you know, the weight is the same as about wow. a 2000XL, if I recall correctly. Nice. Is it? Yeah. That's heavy, it, man. Like this is the yeah, thing, like heavy. the reason why- <laughs> 
Yeah, the reason why I asked is because the SP, as big as it is, it's light. It's light. Yeah, it's like, light. It will it's throw you off. Like the, <laughs> when I first picked mine up, like I was bracing up, you know, I'm going to lift this thing, and I, I almost threw it out of my hand because it was so light. <laughs> like, it's really light. Like you were flipping it. Like flip this yeah, joint. it's pretty light. <laughs> so this is the, the most recent uh, um, casing for it, and you notice that it's a darker... Uh, paint job is I don't know if it's that less like a dark gray or dark or black mm -hmm. but the other one was more grayish blue like tinted gray but this well, is a, a black you, piece um, yeah 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 so so basically he he's in the pride and I don't want to make this show like all s2400 I know I, know well, no, I think it's, a, I think it's appropriate I think it's appropriate though Ken because you know you know we talk about the sp1200 and we hit all of those marks on the things and how it's so beloved but but what the difference is here is that this is really the spiritual successor. So many people are prohibited from having an actual SP 1200 because they're 5,000 to $8,000. And now here comes this thing that will give you that plus modern stuff at a thousand dollars. That I think that's very relevant to, to throw into this conversation. I'm going to throw it back up here. Again. So there, there was a question in the chat that I just want to um, kind of get to, and I was going to type the answer, but I might as well just say it um, because I've, I've had conversations with numerous people outside of Brad who, who've gotten to uh, kind of play with certain things. Um, and uh, so there's digital filters in this as well. And the developer uh, uh, of the code for the digital engine that's inside of this thing is very talented. And, I've heard nothing but good things about these filters and you know, it's high praise coming from the people that I've talked to. And of course, once, once I get involved on that, I nitpick digital filters, you know, to, to no end. So it, yeah, I, I'm looking forward to like the modernization of this old school UI and you know, I love, I love like, I mean, I built my own sample rate reduction in my modular and in other things. Like I do that kind of stuff all the time. Um, OJ Miles is asking, what does Dave Rossum have to say about the spiritual successors? Uh, I spoke to him directly uh, in person. Um, I'll see if I can pull it up. So I spoke to Rossum himself uh, at NAM, And uh, Corey, you were there, right? Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. you, you came up towards the end of our conversation, right? Yep. Um, and... Dude, Dave is is Dave is an awesome guy. If you uh, if you guys are watching on Corey's channel and not familiar with my channel, uh, I have a show called the Synth Summit Show. Dave's come on my show before as well. Uh, Dave is a really really great guy. Not only is he an absolute legend in the industry, who I will stand on the soapbox forever, proclaiming to people that this is the true legend. Like a lot of other synth legends get you know, get a lot of praise that realistically should have gone to Rossum. He built the voices and the, you know, and the chips and everything that made it possible for other synth legends to become synth legends. So I'm like a massive Dave Rossum fan. Um, I spoke to him and I kind of pulled him aside after we spoke and I was like, Hey Dave, like I know you saw, you know what I've been involved in. What do you really think about this? And kind of like pulled him off the record to talk to him about it. He had nothing but good things to say. Uh, at the time, he, his only concern was he was like, well, my only concern is that I just don't want people thinking that it's me doing it. I want them to know that it's Brad doing it. And I'll show you this right here. So um, check this out. Hold on. Uh, 
this is me and, and Dave right here. Uh, so, you know, he, he, uh, he yeah, said, you look older with the gray hair. I'm good looking. <laughs> so, so yes, no, he, he just basically his looking. only concern was that he just wanted people to know that it was Brad making his own way, and that he fully supported it and was very happy with it. Um, I know that Brad had his own personal conversation after Nam um, with Rossum, and they get along great, and everything is all on the up and up. So I'm very happy about that because to me that was also kind of an important thing, and I know it was to Brad too because Brad really looks up to him as well. I mean, he wouldn't be doing this project if he didn't look up to him, you know. So I think that's important to know too that you know sometimes you 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 know you just never know if whether there's ill feelings or whether this is you know somebody feels like something is a smack in the face or what but the great thing about you know the places that uh we can find ourselves in like ken and i and the rest of us that we get a chance to talk to people like rossum and and people like roger lynn and all these people and you get a chance to find out that like they're very gracious and very humble and 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 they could be egomaniacs and they're not (laughs) i I forget who it was that told the story about how they were saying like yeah i go to the grocery store i do this i do that and like nobody cares but i come (laughs) here and i'm a superstar (laughs) Yeah, yeah, no doubt, no doubt, because they're the the cult heroes and stuff. And here, actually, here's the thing that I wanted. Somebody asked something. This was way earlier in the broadcast. It says, "Does anybody know what is the story of Emu disappearing?" They made a lot of great samplers because, yeah, yeah, I I did the story, but I'll let somebody else tell it because I've been I've been talking too much. I'll let somebody. I don't know that I know the whole story, but whoever wants to tell it, I don't know the story, but I could tell you what it felt like. Yeah, all right. Go for it. it. Being an Insonic guy, um, it was becoming hard to get parts for the for my 16 plus. So, you know, you get all these trade magazines, EQ magazine, all that, and all the sudden you heard that Insonic merged with Emu. I was like, okay, fine. Um, But then I realized there were no more like Insonic just wasn't really servicing their old parts. So I heard that, and somewhere in the background, you were hearing that this company called Creative Labs, everyone knew Creative Labs because they mm-hmm. made these little sound cards for you know PCs. But they um, were set to own Emu. And Emu, obviously, was now in Sonic. Like, they're one and the same. And that lasted for a while. And then soon after that, um, Creative Labs sort of deaded emu and that's been the story so far if you actually go online you can still go to the emu website uh the last thing they had was like sound cards and stuff like that but as far as sound fonts and all this kind of yeah like weird stuff you it it gets so much more interesting after that yeah but they're they're uh that's it as far as i you know that's what watching that happen that's That's kind of what happened that's not it (laughs) the thing is is like uh, so many people think that like um that that was it and and it wasn't it like the the crazy part is this, so yeah, EMU buys in Sonic, right? EMU then gets taken over by Creative Labs, which then gets taken over by its Universal Audio. Right? Oh my and goodness! You know who Universal Audio is, right? Mm-hmm. So Apollo's all that kind of stuff. Guess who that is, right? So. Rossum is uh, also involved in SSI, which is, you know, the, the chip manufacturing. Keep in mind, like, a lot of these original filter designs and chips and stuff, yeah, that's, social all, security that's all Rossum, right? So here's the thing. The, the crazy part is, is that uh, when Universal Audio 
bought all this. Rossum stayed on as the audio guy. Like, Rossum's doing all this audio work behind the scenes, not getting the fame, not getting, you know, any of that, the accolades. But it's Rossum behind Universal Audio doing all this this great stuff. And granted, they got other amazing engineers as well. But, uh, so he's doing that. Universal Audio, much later on, we're getting much closer to, to present day, uh, was really cool with Rossum. Probably because he does amazing work, I'm just guessing. Um, and basically says, hey, you know, you can do your own thing now. And Rossum starts up, that's when Rossum starts at the Rossum Electromu, which is his modular company. So a lot of people don't realize that EMU started at modular. Like way back in the day, they were making modular before Eurorack was a thing. It was. They were basically taking like Moog circuits and cleaning them up and making them much better than what they were, like dropping noise floor, making them more stable, that sort of thing. So if you find like a, a vintage EMU modular, those things are worth crazy money because they're super high quality, right? Um, so yeah, Rossum was now allowed to kind of do his own company kind of as an offshoot of uh, Universal Audio, and that's Rossum Electromu. And now they've released some really fan... They have a sampler for, you know, Eurorack, which is... Uh, shoot, what's that thing called again? Assimilator, right? Mm -hmm. So they've got nope. the Assimilator. They've got the Morpheus, which is really cool because if you know <clears throat> anything about the EMU history of their rack units and their synths, they had uh, the Z-Plane filter... Mm -hmm. And that Z-plane filter now exists in a Eurorack module, and the difference is, is that now the processors are much more powerful, so all the parameters can be interacted with in real time, which is before it was you only had limited parameters you could play with because it couldn't handle that kind of processing power. And um, then you mentioned the filters or him taking or doing uh, updating Moog circuits. The evolution filter is kind of one of those things reincarnated into Eurorack. Awesome. It's super it's so my favorite filter, period, without a yep. doubt. Yeah, um, I have it in my rack, and it's 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 definitely one of my favorite filters. The assimilator really is like cool. the best sampler I've heard in a very, yes. very long time. The so, and that's is the thing really is dope. that the sound of that's it the thing is about Rossum is that he he approaches he approaches these things from a, a mindset of a musician and some and an audiophile. So it's like he understands when he's doing the raw baseline coding and setting up a, of a sampler chip or a sampler function. He knows like, okay, well, these frequencies aren't important. These frequencies are important. And he makes the chip. This was the thing about the old EMU stuff and why it sounded better, you know, more hi-fi than mm -hmm. like the old Insonic stuff was because he would tailor his chips to, to have those bits assigned to specific audio frequencies mm -hmm. whereas the other stuff it was just flat across the board so his stuff would a 12-bit sampler by him would sound like a 16-bit sampler by somebody else you know mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. that's just because you know this guy really kind of came at this thing thinking at it from a really musical perspective and a lot of these other engineers were really coming at it from a computer a computer science perspective so who owns emu now is it still universal audio uh, does Universal? I don't know. That's a good question. But like here's the cool thing: the is that is kind of Universal, Universal Audio actually Mickey, gives, Mickey's Mickey, yelling no, at me. I, I keep saying EMU. Mickey, Mickey, Mickey's jumping on you. <laughs> jumping on you, son. Like, 
Yeah. You've got Mickey over there pouring drinks like Here's I wish you would cut it out. Mickey is not wrong. I 100% agree with Mickey and I 100% disagree with my pronunciation of EMU. I do it because it, 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 it came about in the same way that like I say NES instead of NES or SNES. SNES, like I just don't do that. But yeah, it is it is emu, which is why on some of their circuit boards they actually print an emu, and you can you can turn on uh you can make an emu run across the screen and that sort of thing. So yes, my pronunciation is completely wrong. You should know that. You should cut that out, bro. Yeah, you don't should. I should, should. I should. But it's a bad so habit, man. It's so disrespectful. I don't you understand. <laughs> but here, here's the thing: a lot of people don't realize it's an interesting bit to the story, and it's all related to the SB twelve hundred. That uh, what became uh, Universal Audio buying Creative Labs was Creative Labs was EMU, um, and then now Dave Rossum's company, Rossum Electro, lives and has set up shop at Universal Audio. <laughs> you know? Wait, is that yeah. real? For real? Yeah, yeah, that's the that's, that's, that's yeah, yeah. So it's an interesting thing, um, and and I want to go back to this this thing about uh, I love wow. this sort of idea that uh, Rossum sort of gave his blessings and see somebody of the of the newer generation coming up creating a, 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 a sort of like a salute to one of the classics like Brad is doing. And Brad mentioned in the comments, he was like, you know, I was scared he was going to be pissed. <laughs> you know what I mean? And it turns out that he was all like just totally open. They met and it was just like a love fest. And it was really dope to uh, to see that and to hear that. Um, uh, and, they, and Brad says here, even our dogs met online when we had a chat. I mean, it was just a good, it, it feels like, and it doesn't necessarily feel like a handoff, like here, young man, take the yeah, torture. Get it. Because Dave Rossum is still very much in the game and you never know what right. might be a future for him. But I love the fact that there's that. It, it, it just reminds me that there's still good in the damn world. <laughs> you know sure, what for sure, absolutely, absolutely. Uh, it's it seems very humbling, and I like that that sort of thing. You know what I mean? Because who wins? We all do. Yeah, we all win behind this. There's, there's uh, SP twelve hundreds out there to be had, but there's S twenty four hundred coming to be had. <laughs> there's that I mean? other thing. Yo, yo, what's that other thing? That the real and I know we're running short on time, but like there was that that small joint. You know what I'm talking about? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Uh hold on. Hold on. I know exactly which one you're talking about. There um, so so somebody was creating it, like a small and I want to say it's like a Raspberry Pi project. And I'm not talking about the low hiss one because there's oh, also okay. that. Yeah, yeah. There's the low there's hiss. Low hiss. Um, that's that's one of them, right? Yeah, so th so he's got like a little VST slash. It's it's not really a VST. I don't think it's 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 like a, it's like a web plugin or something. Is that iPad? Oh, okay. I thought it was iPad. Okay. I just sent it. I, I just sent it. I haven't had time to really mess with it, and I need to, but I just haven't had time to mess with any of that stuff. Yeah. Um, but there's yeah, there's this other thing that's like it's almost like, is it four faders or is it one? I can't remember. I think it's four um, faders. Yeah, it's not many. It's it's almost like a half of a SP twelve hundred. Yeah, it's it's just as a Raspberry Pi sort of looks, project. Fun. Yeah, uh, I'll find it because I definitely want to show it. Um, uh, hold on, it's in here somewhere. I can't remember what it's called though. Oh, here it is. Hold on. All right, I'm gonna show you now. Uh, 
I type uh, SP1200 uh, pie and Instagram and Pie City came up, and that just sounds delicious. <laughs> I need to uh, visit that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. That oh, wow. made me crazy hungry. I need to find this thing. I'm, I, I wish I remembered the name off the top of the head. I'm sorry. Uh, I really like called the SP102. And it's kind of the form factor of the SP404. And if you go to this guy's page, it's uh, Haifa underscore A, uh, H-Y-P-H-A underscore A on Instagram. You'll be able to see it. So he's using a Raspberry Pi, and he's kind of creating this device. And you you can look through his timeline, and you'll see the process, like when he Mm -hmm. did the thing out of cardboard box. And now he's, you know, I don't know if he's going to release it as a a DIY thing or if if he's going to release it at all. Uh, but I think this is really dope where you got imagine having something like this and an SP404 sitting next to each other for your live show. It could be some really interesting oh, stuff. Yeah, going definitely. On, right. So that's what I love about something like a, a SP1200. Look at what it's done. Look at what what's <laughs> what's happened here. You know what I mean? But I find it a trip that we go. We went the first 20 years of this century with with you either buy a classic or nothing. <laughs> now all of a sudden right. there's all these <laughs> options you know what I mean to kind of grab that sound so yeah this is pretty dope, yeah, pretty dope. that really looks good yeah it, it really does you know what's crazy man like in if you look at like the music I'll just use hip hop for example because this is where it really there's a problem in hip hop as far as MCing goes you have mm-hmm. to fight to tell there's a struggle between generations. Like no one knows who did what or who, what things were like when it comes to gear. Now, anyone that's under 18 years old actually knows what an SP 1200 is and you don't have to explain it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And there's that's a bridging great. between the fact that it's being carried on. Like there's no separation or anything like that anymore. So that's also a really good reason why these things need to be carried on. So it's just yeah. the entire lineage of gear that's being continued on through younger eyes, through a different generation. Like, it's really good. Actually, you, you make a good point with that, too, it, because I think hip hop has this crazy thing about ageism and yeah. like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. yo, you listen to that. If, if like it's it's a weird thing, because depending on who you're talking to, classic hip hop, I don't want to get too deep in this conversation. This is another Beat People podcast, but classic hip hop in the 90s, old head, uh, classic hip hop in the 2000s, lo-fi. You're cool. This this cuts deep on Corey because he's old. No, 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 no. That that's a conversation that really needs to be had. That's a conversation that really needs to be had. Yeah, I'm I'm gonna get into that on the the next, and we'll probably have to have Mario back, and we can kind of really dig into that conversation. But yeah, a lot of really dope stuff on the SP1200, and I don't know. I'll just kind of open it up, man. Y'all got any any things to say? Because we're over an hour. This is a good conversation, as as typically these focused conversations are, though. Yeah, Yo, I, I just say, want to say real yeah. quick. Oh, go ahead, go ahead, Mario. Go ahead. Okay, good. No, I was I was gonna say like you know I'm I'm glad that that you know there is still this excitement for it and you know that you're we're seeing it a lot more not only in producers hands but in like that whole Rizza did a great job on his hulu thing you know that yeah that, that even that oh yeah you're right yeah, yeah. That, like it's crazy how how that i know that a lot of people are seeing that and being like well what's that you know they're not it's that whole broadening horizons for everybody like you were saying daydream sound these kids on there or got people under 18 years old knowing what it is and you don't have to explain it to them. So 
having that knowledge and building on it. So now we're getting all of these, you know, uh, spiritual and uh, reminiscence of the SP1200 with the plugins and also now these new hardware. So I think it's really, really dope. Um, and yeah, I just hope that that everybody, you know, that is interested in one, they, they kind of have the same passion that, that I gained from just using it and hearing it. That's, yeah, that's dope. dope. Mm-hmm. Yo, I, I want to say real quick. Um, so for me as a SP enthusiast that I don't have the money to buy an SP, but I'm, mm-hmm. you know, I'm intrigued by the sound and for somebody that doesn't want to, you know, grab a bit crusher and try to get a filter and try to, you know, emulate the sound, um, wavetracing.com and this is you know just off the top not sponsored or nothing like that but uh wavetracing.com has a sp plugin that sounds amazing um i would say if you want to you know hear what the sp sounds like if you if you don't know about it you could go to the uh to their website and just kind of check out their plugin you know it's 20 bucks um sounds dope so that, that's all i want yeah. to say as a matter of fact, um, for that way, tracing.com, as a matter of fact, this is beatpeople.com. Uh, that's, that's my platform I built for B-Boy Tech Report. Go to B-Boy Tech Report. There's a new article up there on it and, it, and you'll be able to link to wave tracing, but you'll learn a little something about it. It definitely is. I typically post things. I like to post news, but this is one of those things that when it comes by, I want to put it out there so people know about it because Word, it is yeah. a dope book. It, it sounds good. Book. It sounds really good. It really does. It's, it's the know. most recent article on bboytechreport.com, so definitely check that out. Um, there was something else I was going. Oh, this somebody was saying. I think this is worth addressing in here because uh, the uh, SP three hundred three and the four four are the SP three hundred three and four four better at grit and dirt than the SP twelve hundred? Why? Why so much cheaper? <laughs> right? Because the idea is, I think, I think what this speaks to is that a lot of people think that the SP series of rolling boxes are related to the SP 1200 somehow. And it's not beyond the fact of the no. SP, right? It, I feel it's like a this is a whole piece. other show. It is, yeah, it, it is. is. It is. Yeah, for sure it is. <laughs> I didn't even think about that. Yeah. Us the idea of another show. Yeah. Actually, we're going to do that. I'm going to break that yeah, in my yeah, notebook. Yeah. Yeah. The 404. <laughs> yeah, we, we need definitely to do a 404 SP show. show. We, yeah, it doesn't even need to be four or four. It should just be SP. SP for sure. Three hundred three. You know, five. Yeah. Uh, the, look, look, look. He dro- nice. He's dropping gears. Oh, that's cool too. Oh, snap. Oh, well, he's low fi yeah. man. He's low fi So all them rolling SPs, man. Yeah, he's low fi So hold those back up. Hold those back up, Mario. Hey, you're OG if you got the two hundred two. Oh yeah. snap! He got the two hundred two. Woo! With the rolling speaker. That's, a, that's, a, that's a true lo-fi head right there. Yeah, no doubt. Straight up. Yep. So, uh, yeah, I don't know. So I, I think, like I said before, his was dope. This is a really dope box. Some people are going to get along with the workflow. Some people are not. A lot of people love the sound and don't even know what that sound is. Like when, yep. I, when, when I was chasing a certain synthesizer sound, I didn't realize until years later of learning about synthesis that the sound I've been chasing is a Model D. <laughs> you know what I mean? And not every synth can do that. And I think it's the same way with a lot of this. A lot of times people are like, yo, I want it to punch more. I want it to be like uh, warmer and, and punchier, grittier. And a lot of times I don't think people realize that they're probably referring to an SP-1200 sound. <laughs> you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And I think 
dope that that kind of stuff is coming to light. I think it's dope that Dave Rossum is a name that was mm-hmm. spoken in such a beautiful light on the show because he deserves all the props. He's a legend. The dude designed the chips and everything yeah, on up. <laughs> you know what yep. I mean? It created this and incredibly then, dope yep. box. And then now it's doing Eurorack. And what's dope about that, the Dave Rossum Eurorack stuff, that sampler of the assimilator, Yo, the assimilator sounds so good. People expected it to be a SP twelve hundred and Eurorack form. It's not that, mm-hmm. it, but it sounds incredibly good. And here's what he did in the manual: he put in the manual the different settings that you could put on the assimilator Eurorack sampler to make it sound like all the different versions of Emu samplers that he has oh, wow. and the SP twelve hundred. That's crazy. and when I did it, I was like, whoa, my mind was blown because you can get that sound and you could save it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Wow, that's crazy. So, uh, SP1200 is a classic joint for those that don't know, refer to this show. And, uh, yo, yo with that, up. I want to say, I want to say thanks to, uh, Mario. We may end up doing a second part as well, you know. I think, yeah, the, all of these shows, all these shows might get a part too. So, uh, <laughs> you, you may get the invite again, Mario and Daydream Sound, specifically about this SP1200. But, yeah, thank y'all for coming on, man. Uh, because I know I couldn't do this show without having a couple guys on that literally has them in their possession. <laughs> um, whether I've had or touched one before is a different deal than living with it, using it, and having an opinion on it from that perspective. So Definitely. thanks for coming on the show. And, uh, yeah, Ken and Bryce, anything y'all want to say in closing? And, and also Mario and Daydream, sound anything y'all want to say in closing? Yeah, I'm going to be on um, Perfect Circuit Audio's uh, – youtube and instagram channel on monday and there's a couple of chumps that are going to be on there with us oh uh, snap this dude, he called, this dude he called them chumps flaked on the show today so d steel he he might that's be true. there this is eh, some guy from msx audio that's true that's some true. guy b-boy tech report who's just about late for this show today i mean oh, you know snap. whatever he's gonna be there travarsi's gonna be there and i'm gonna be there uh so we're nice. all doing beat sets and uh I, i'm sure all of our beat sets are going to be very different but we're going to be using totally different sample we're going to be using the force Mm-hmm. Uh, on Perfect Circuit Audio's uh, YouTube, so you can check that out. That's Monday, uh, 9 p.m. Eastern is when mm-hmm. that starts. 6 p.m. Uh, uh, Pacific. Pacific. Yeah. yeah. There you go. Yeah, cold, yeah. cold water time. Yeah, cool. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely check that out, and I'd appreciate to see some kind comments. Yeah, that's gonna be dope. I'm sure my beats are gonna be horrible. Oh, Yo. shout out to Daydream Sound and Flux. What? Only, oh, only, only. <laughs> That's I know. He's like, yo, shout out to those two. The MG. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> man. My man. Is it, hey, All hey, right. uh, Ken's head is too big. Is there a way we can just like shut him down right now? Can we like just yeah. lock I'm him kick out? him out right now? Yeah. <laughs> Ask yeah. me about how to make off beat. Hey, and and by the way, as we get out of here, we're gonna get close the show out. I, I want to just remind you all to uh whether you're watching this on my channel or Flux's channel, be sure to hit like, be sure to hit subscribe, be sure to share because we're doing this for the community and it's fun to do it. And we want to talk to as many people as we can. So support the channel in any way that you can, support the channels in any way you can, and we'll see you next time. Uh peace. 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 Peace, Peace, everyone.